So we've got a couple people online. Who's online? This is Betsy in Santa Cruz. Oh, hi, Betsy. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing okay, thank you. I'm doing okay. Annie Palmo is here with me, and it's been fabulous having her company. I just really enjoyed it enormously. Nice. Yeah. And is there somebody else online? Yes, this is Josh from Richmond. Oh, great. I haven't heard your voice in a while, Josh. Nice to hear from you. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And you? Oh, oh good. Yes, I'm, I'm doing all right. So we've got Betsy. Yeah. And we've got Josh. And uh, let's see if we have anybody else joining us. We're still a little bit early. What's the time? We're just uh, 7.31. It's been nice because with uh, Annie Palmo here, I enjoy taking her to see the Garden of the Gods. And then today we had a few people over and uh, she was uh, speaking about refuge and just very beautiful way of talking about um, taking refuge. And then today is the 49-day anniversary since my dad's passing, and tomorrow will be his birthday. So we planted a tree together, and that was really um, wonderful. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that was lovely. What kind of tree? Um, it's a blue spruce tree. So even though it's um, quite small right now, it'll probably grow to be like 200 feet tall. Yeah. And <laughs> is that a tree native to that area? Yes. Actually, no, I don't know if it's native to this area. I don't know if it's native, but I do know that there's a lot of blue spruce trees around here. So, yeah. So we've got a couple of people who have joined us. Hi there. Rachel from Seattle is here. Oh, yay. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Thank you. Oh, good. And is anybody else online? I don't know. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, it's Barb from Canada, Calgary. Oh, wonderful. Hi, Barb. Hello. So, yes, yeah, so, you know, there's a, it's quite a thing when a parent dies, really. It takes a, it's, it's a, it's quite a journey to see their, their process and, 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 and be part of it for each of the things that opens up and all the different layers. And, and I imagine that there'll be more ceremony. So most of his ashes will be interred in a, cemetery and my brother and the rest of the family will join for that but it just feels really lovely to be able to plant a tree and to you know to put some of his ashes in the tree and you know to have new candles come out for his birthday it just feels feels perfect it feels really fabulous yeah so we've got a couple more people who have joined who else is online Helene hi Helene hi hello this is Catherine hi Catherine so let me just um, introduce you to everybody else We've got Betsy from Santa Cruz and Josh from Richmond, Virginia, and Rachel from Seattle and Barb from Calgary, Canada, and Helene from Northern California, and Catherine from Portland, Oregon. So lovely. Very lovely. So uh, tonight's theme is working with neutral feeling. And I uh, wrote up a little bit of something to support inquiry around it. Maybe my suggestion would be, rather than start with talking, why don't we start with some meditation and then get into a conversation about how this uh, particular exercise of working with neutral feeling, how you've been exploring it, and and then see what opens from that, okay? So, Brian, I just see you joined on, and we're going to just start with a few few minutes of meditation. Okay. 
So inviting you to come into stillness and to presence with your body, however you're seated. That letting the muscles relax and letting your feet and your seat connect with the earth and the floor beneath you. And just letting the thoughts and the busyness of the day, letting it fall away and leaving aside, you know, what's going to happen next and what's going to happen tomorrow. So there's an invitation to enter fully into the present moment and using our body as an anchor, allowing the body to really rest and relax and come into its own space, awareness and attention and breath coming in to inhabit the body. And so it can take a few moments to let attention settle and to feel ourselves, to feel our body, to feel our connection with our body and to feel our connection with the earth beneath us. And as we are relaxing, we may notice unpleasant sensation of tightness or tension or contraction and allowing them gently to soften and to relax. You can notice also if there's any subtle aversion to feeling unpleasant sensation and softening around that. And as the muscles relax and it moves from tension to something that might be open and soft, it might be an observation of, of pleasant feeling. And in pleasant feeling, it's, it's possible to see the way in which we can lean into it and, and almost make an identity around it, expecting that this is the norm, this is the way it's supposed to be that we have arrived when there's pleasant feeling. And we can just notice that and soften around the reaction of hoping or longing or wanting pleasant feeling. Now you might be in a space where the temperature feels comfortable. There might be uh, not very many sounds or the sounds are not particularly noticeable. There might be light on your eyes if your eyes are closed or or kind of a, a neutral smell, nothing strong, particularly pleasant or unpleasant. And so sound or taste or smell or sight are all places that are readily possible to experience neutral feeling. And most of the time we don't even notice, we don't even see them, we don't feel them, we don't have any sense that this is what's happening. Because they're not exciting, they don't grab our attention. But just take a moment and invite waking up to something that's neutral. Staying present for, experiencing, watching it arise and cease, and knowing it as neutral.
And as we become more present to neutral feeling, just notice how our own experience of body shifts and changes. And as I ring the bell and you hear the sound and we continue with the conversation, remember that each of us can return our focus and attention back into our body. Back into pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral feeling. And using our body as an anchor We can move into active participating in the conversation and listening. Okay, so how has this been? How has your practice been in in contemplating neutral feeling? And for those who are might be a little bit new to the conference call format, it's just helpful before you begin speaking just to mention your name so that people get a sense of who is speaking. Well, this is Betsy. I actually find it rather challenging to notice neutral feelings. Yes, and I would imagine, Betsy, if we paused and we had a survey, you would not be alone. I kind of had a feeling that most people are probably thinking the same thing. It's like, how do you notice the neutral feeling? Yeah. It's it's actually a lot of work. I think that, you know, because we're so focused on the pleasant and unpleasant, and those are both extremes, that, you know, being down the middle way is difficult to do. It is difficult to do, Betsy. It's very difficult to do for because our attention has been conditioned, or at least some of our conditioning is around gravitating toward what is exciting and what is dangerous or scary or painful. Yeah. And so it's a retraining of our focus, of looking for the stuff that we're not normally looking for and seeing what happens when we do that. And... You know, from my own experience, the more that I have been able to open up to neutral feeling, then the more rich and full my life feels. Because most of experience, in fact, is neutral. And we just are not seeing it. We're just totally missing it because it's not fitting into the extremes of pleasant and unpleasant. Would anyone else like to add into that or comment? Mama, this is Brian. I have a couple of different experiences with the neutral. One is that, and I think I'd mentioned it before, that for me, a large portion of at least my my time on the cushion and even a large portion of the time off the cushion is fairly neutral, even when I'm paying attention to the feeling tone. Not only am I noticing that it's neutral, but you know, or, or finding that it's neutral, but been that way all along. And that 
you know, in working with George over time, it's something that we've, you know, worked, that we that he's noticed from the beginning, and that we've talked about as just as he as he said, well, you may just be one of those people who are sort of more already closer to having a sense of equanimity than most, at least in in sort of the Shinzen model, and not having a lot of pleasant feelings and not a lot of unpleasant feelings. And then there's the second re- the sort of reaction that I've, that I've had to neutral was I used the transcript of the meditation that you gave last week. Yes. Or the, two, two weeks ago. Yes. I used, I used it last week for our, our, our little Dharma Punks group here. Yes. And it was very interesting to hear people's responses back because most of them have, had, never, had never been asked to even look at neutral. Yes. And so a lot of them, some came back and were, you know, just very intrigued by the idea. And others, you know, said, uh, we had a couple that said they immediately just felt this pleasant feeling. You know, I mean, it wasn't pleasant as in they immediately, it was, that that was their original feeling. But once they noticed that it was neutral and, and they paid attention to it being neutral, it was far more pleasant than they thought. Yes. So, you know, the way, actually, I have no idea the way, meditation is taught in contemporary society because I, I don't hang out much around the way meditation is taught. I know how I teach, you know. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is, is that there's so much going on that needs attention to that some of these more subtle things are missed. They're not spoken of. And so one of the values of doing something like a course on the Satipatthana Sutta is, is that you go back to the Buddha's teachings and you follow his instructions and use that as a template for one's own inquiry. And the result is, is that it can open up territory that one has not explored before. And so the value of, of doing something in this kind of a way is just exactly that. You can see stuff you haven't actually seen before. And, you know, like a neutral feeling is not going to have a, a big buzz. You know, people are not going to be drawn. You know, there's not going to be thousands of people that are going to show up for a talk on neutral. Because, you know, what people want is how to have happiness and how to not be miserable, but they're not wanting neutral, you know. So it takes a context and it takes some depth to actually appreciate the value of this inquiry. Right. Yeah. Now, for I don't know you long enough Brian, to have a sense with yourself if most of what you're experiencing is neutral of where that's coming from. But my sense is is that it might be that if I was working with you on a retreat, that I would work on both ways. One, to both expand the experience of equanimity as well as to encourage your capacity for developing the Brahma-Vihara so you have more direct access to what's pleasant. Yeah. So I haven't had enough like one-to-one interactions with you to get a sense of what would be, you know, the right way of practicing with this. Certainly, you know, this is what you're experiencing, and so you don't need to worry about it. But sometimes there's ways of uh, working with experience in, in a way that allows a more a sense of fullness to emerge from our life. Yeah? Yeah, and I mean, that's, uh, that's why the, the, the meditation, meditation teacher and the, the mentor that I have is George Haas, who teaches at uh, ATS in L.A., and his teacher was Shinzen Young, that's who I was talking about earlier. Yeah. So, like, the, the, the morning meditation calls, one day will be insight and, and concentration, the next day will be one of the Brahma Viharas, one, you know, be a meta call, meta meditation. Yes. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, definitely, there's just, there's a lot, like other people said, there's a lot of neutral, there just seems to be, 
an extreme amount of neutral and very, very little beyond that for me. Yes. Well, I think that would be something worth exploring to see when you find pleasant feeling, if you can allow it to expand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because this also might be part of coming out of the history that you come out of, you know. Yeah. And so the, you know, the part of substances is that it totally suppresses feeling. And, you know, it takes a while of, you know, when one stops using substances for them to be, you know, for the feeling qualities of the, of the body, heart, and mind to reactivate. I would say both the substances and the isolation that comes along with it. That's right. Oh, and so both of them suppress the kind of natural vitality and joy that comes from just being alive and being in contact with nature and people and the world. Yeah, and those are things that, that he and I are working on. Right. And that's wonderful, Brian. You know, it's wonderful. But what's really helpful is is both to see the value of equanimity, but then when one is coming out of a time where there hasn't been a lot of connection with joy, to not use teachings on neutrality and equanimity in order to... Justify? Exactly. That's a good word. Yeah. Yes. I've, I've, I've tried that feeling. Good. So uh, has anybody else joined the call since we've started? Hi, it's Gabrielle um, from LA. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi. Good evening. Good evening. Hey, and, and was there somebody else who was trying to speak? Oh, Eduardo from Cancer. Oh, hello, Eduardo. Hello. Wonderful. So, would anyone else like to share of their explorations with neutral feeling and what came up for them this, during this last practice period? I had a question. Please. This is Rachel, sorry. I, I don't know how to phrase it without confusing myself more, but... I've always thought of the feeling tones as kind of like the the judgment that we place on top of our experience. So I'm wondering if, you know, what I interpret as being pleasant today, I may change and interpret as being neutral tomorrow. Is that a correct understanding or is something that's neutral always neutral and something that's pleasant always pleasant? Okay, you're into really wonderful territory, Rachel. Good question. The way I understand it is is that the body tends to be something which is more wired towards pleasant and unpleasant, okay? So that doesn't tend to change so much. But the other ones that we have, like in terms of taste or sight or smell or sounds, those are highly conditioned. And so what that means is, is, is that it is correct that what we can experience as pleasant in one situation or one time, we can experience as being unpleasant in another situation or as another time. Okay? So that's true. However, what you started to say with is, is that pleasant and unpleasant is just the judgment that you're putting on it is not quite correct. So when we go back to the aggregates, there's the form aggregate and there's feeling aggregate and there's perception, there's formations, and then there's consciousness. When we look at this in terms of the aggregates, you know, when we have body, we have contact. So when we have contact, that means that there's a sense organ, there's an object, and then there's consciousness that are coming together. And so what is correct is is that in having contact, there is Vedana, which is not the judgment, it's the quality of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And then from that is the perception that we have about that, whether we like it or we don't like it or we want it or we think we're a good person or we think we're a bad person or we think it means that the world is ending or it thinks it means that we're just about to get enlightened. Whatever we think about it is the formations, okay? 
So mm-hmm. perception is the kind of raw sense of color, shape, form, hot, cold, and that, right? So each of these things has their own sphere. So body is the, is the quality of the form our body is, the posture our body is, and the sensations that our body is experiencing. The Vedana, or the feeling, is the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral quality connected to the contact. The perception, or the sanya, is the form, or the shape, or the color, or the space it occupies, or the, the tree. You know, the sense this is a tree, this is a rock, this is a dog. That's perception. And then mental formations is the kind of, like the stories that are added on top of it. Those are the, the things that we make out of a dog. I like dogs. I don't like dogs. I'm scared about dogs. I like bears. You know, bears are great. Or, you know, I don't like it hot. Or, you know, my favorite season is springtime. Those are the formations. And the consciousness in this case is the sense consciousness that's arising in response to the sense contact. Okay? So as far as I can understand, the way that you described it has elements of accuracy in it. And there's some elements of blurring the way each of the aggregates are operating. Does that help clarify? It helps clarify and confuse. Or not confuse, but there's a lot more information there to to move through. But the piece that I'm kind of latching on to is trying to properly understand the Vedana yes. piece or the feeling piece. Yes. So is, is what you're saying is that that's kind of a universal template that it's not according to individual, but it's just kind of inherently built in of like, you know, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. is Not at all. Those things are highly conditioned. The difference is, is, is okay. that with pain, with physical pain and with physical pleasure, the physical pleasure and pain tend to be more commonly known. You know, so if you put in a, a shock or a metal probe or a needle in a person, you know, for most people they'll experience that as painful. You know, mm-hmm. and if you, if you, um, if you touch somebody in a kind, gentle way, for, for many people, they'll experience that as pleasure. Okay? Now, obviously, you've got all kinds of other kinds of things going on. So, you know, people who have been physically abused, you know, oftentimes when they're touched, it's not at all pleasurable. It's scary. You know? So it's not, it's dependent on their conditions. But like, mm-hmm. some people like Italian, and some people like Mexican, and some people hate Japanese. That's totally conditioned, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing about the flavor which is inherently wired. It's all very conditioned. So the body sensations of pleasure and, and pain have more universality to them, though there are elements of conditioning that can change that. But the other senses, the eyes and the nose and the smell and the taste and the sound, those are highly conditioned and they're highly changeable. So, you know... Like there's this lovely story about Manindraji. Manindraji, actually that's more about Papancha rather than about Vedana. But he had an obsession with Bengali sweets. And as a result of a kind of an, a long kind of drawn out relationship with trying to work with his obsession, he ended up sitting down and eating a pound of Bengali sweets. Well, a pound of Bengali sweets is like, I don't know what it's like. It's like probably eating like four chocolate triple chocolate cheesecakes in a row, you know? It's like (laughs) impossible, you know? You know, as the result of that, I think not only did he not have an obsession with Bengali sweets, but I think that his association with Bengali sweets switched from being pleasant to being unpleasant. And we can see that, you know? We can have something that we love and we can have too much of it and it shifts. 
or mm-hmm. we can have a new relationship with something which is really challenging and rather than seeing it as the enemy or something that's really terrible we can find a, a positive way of relating to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah does that help clarify? Yeah. yeah yeah it does it does thank you great so this is more a time for people to ask about things that have been going on in their inquiry and to also reflect on other things that people are saying in their sharing. This is Helene. Hello, Helene. Hi. On that note, I, I was relating to something that Brian was saying about other people having expressed a pleasant or just a delight with the neutral, the you know, being aware of it, of of neutrality. And that was my experience. I felt a joy of not smelling anything. (laughs) Just, you know, when you were saying you're not smelling anything or, you know, nothing's happening, it isn't nothing. And I felt, I don't know, like a quickening or a awakening or something today. I was driving and I was aware of just trying to think, well, what is neutral? You know, what does that mean? Because I'm always, (laughs) you know, on one end or the other. And it was so delightful to pay attention to that. It, I don't know, it's it's a new experience for me. And I found it to be a way to connect with a presence of being in the moment a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I really, I really appreciate that. Yes. Well, it's a little bit like going deep sea diving or something. You know, all of a sudden you're in a whole new universe. You know, yeah. no idea that it existed or how it worked or, you know, all the different creatures that live there and how they related to each other. You know, all of a sudden you're in a whole new world. That was my experience. Yeah. Because it gave me a new way to look at being bored, you know, because I touched on it, like I said, when I was driving today. And I noticed I was kind of bored because I had a long time in the car. And it just struck me on, well, this maybe this is neutral. And... Something in me just kind of woke up, and I wasn't looking for something on the radio. or It just reminded me to be in the moment. Yes. And certainly, you know, many of us experience boredom, and oftentimes, you know, boredom is simply a lack of interest in the present moment. And so when we can begin to energize awareness of the present moment, then the boredom dissipates. Because all of a sudden, it's like we're in this whole huge new landscape we hadn't really explored very far. And it's got all kinds of nuances and subtleties and interesting components to it. Can I ask a question? Or this is Gabrielle from uh, L.A.? Please, Gabrielle, yes. So I was drawn to the topic of this talk, and I, I didn't read the document attached to it. And I was about 15 minutes late, so I'm not sure if what I'm going to share is going to be redundant. But I think for me... Right now, the idea of neutrality feels a little dangerous because I've come from a place where I've been trained to react with neutrality or impose neutrality to most everything. So the neutrality that I know is a feeling of disconnection, um, dissociation. And right now, even when experiencing difficult situations at work and I work in a clinic, I have to whiplash myself back into imposing neutrality so that I can create this expression of calm. So that is okay for work. And I'm realizing just from the way that I've been socialized and culturally, the neutrality, void of feeling, so familiar, and I want to whiplash myself out of it. So I'm engaging in activities like dance that are more intensive. You know, I'm 
there's a lure for me to experience, intense experience to bring and evoke feeling I'm realizing. So I don't know if this is rounding into a question, but maybe the question is the difference between neutrality and equanimity. I think really the question here, Gabrielle, is not so much the difference between neutrality and equanimity, is the difference between neutrality and disassociation. Yeah. Okay. So in disassociation, there isn't presence. There's the separation from what's going on, and the disassociation Mm -hmm. has by default large suppressive mechanisms to anything other than something which is neutral. So if it's frightening or scary or sexy or angry or sad, it's totally not acceptable. Okay. And so rather than be with not acceptable, there's an overlay of distancing oneself from what it is. And so there's a kind of bland feeling that comes instead of being present with what's actually going on. Yeah. Now, when a person has come from conditioning that's extensive or socialization that's extensive in a particular area, you know, I would agree that there needs to be a lot of care with making sure that you're not going back into the same dissociated patterns. Now, one of the things about dissociation is is that you don't feel your body. Your body feels mm-hmm. numb, okay? Yeah. And you don't have um, textures and qualities. Uh, you know, the whole thing is flat. So you go from having a body with textures and tones to something that's flat, which doesn't have many qualities to it. And mm-hmm. so you can know that neutral is different from dissociation when you feel your body, when you mm-hmm. feel textures and tones, when it isn't flat, and when you don't feel a kind of dullness or a deadness or a kind of like a lack of being present with yourself and with what's going on, all right? Mm-hmm. But I would agree that having spent however many years in a situation where this association was the habit and not feeling alive or excited or enthusiastic or feeling connected or even knowing what your body is doing, you know, yeah. would then require special practices that allow and encourage and support, you know, passion and emotion and feeling and all of those things, you know. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean that you need to negate neutrality. It just means that you need to wake up to neutrality rather than Mm -hmm. to let neutrality be another opportunity to disassociate, okay? Mm -hmm. So for you to know the real physical difference between disassociation and being as neutrality is really going to be the key. So there can be vitality and energy and neutrality. There's a, a presence with neutrality where there's a, a notice of the things. That's sort of the key. Is what That's you're saying. right. That's it's right. Like, yeah. Uh, it, it's not like kind of this dull, gray, thick, heavy, uh-huh. non-feeling thing. It's just that when you're awake and you're present and you're still, what you're feeling isn't coming up with strong, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a wonderful thing, I'm a terrible thing, I need to be felt, I have to be felt. It's not screaming for attention. It's just something that's much more subtle, you know. So it's like, you know, when I went to the desert, you know, when I would look out at the desert, it seemed like there's nothing here. And then I'd walk through the desert, and it's like there's a million, billion things here. You just have to look carefully. You know, and every, in the morning, it would be different than in the evening time. And in the beginning of spring, it was different than the end of spring. And in the winter, it was different than the summer. There was a lot there, but I wasn't used to looking for it. So I needed to wake up to what was there. Now, I didn't feel numb. I didn't feel disconnected, I didn't feel dissociated, but I needed to learn how to look because it was a very different landscape. Does that help, Gabrielle? Yeah, very much. 
But, I, you know, I support your active engagement with things that help you feel and to get a sense of how that actually is in your body. You know, what does it feel like to move? And how do you experience passion in a dance floor? Or how do you experience feeling when, you know, it's raining outside? You know, what does that feel like? And I would also be cautious about the way that you very quickly normalized making it neutral at work because of wanting to make it okay that you look calm. And see if there's another way where you can stay connected to your physical body, to what's going on, and come up with a response that's authentic and appropriate, but not disassociated. Okay. And it might take some time, and it might mean that what you're doing is going to have some edges that are going to move outside of the territory of looking perfect. That is true. Thank you. And sliding out of sleep and shaking up. There's a lot that feels like I'm, I'm shaking up from a lot of time of being uh, sleepwalking. So, and on levels, Gabrielle, I think that's true for many of us. You know, we have all of us have different stories and different conditionings about the way that was operating. Mm-hmm. But for, there's a way in which that's true for many of us. That's the nature of ignorance. You're, and we're just not mm-hmm. seeing things clearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what you need to appreciate is is that you want to wake up, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like no longer okay to stay asleep. Mm-hmm. And isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just wonderful? Thank you. I have a question. Please. Yeah, this is Eduardo. Yes, Eduardo. I was wondering if you have experience or if you could say something about that connection, you know, between feeling, you know, neutral, I would assume, and that, let's say, the, the process, the development of disenchantment, dispassion. You know, like I've described in the, in, you know, in the Anapanasati Sutta, yes. you know, like you have concentration, deep feeling, and then you go through the stages of Nivida, Wiraga. And I, I have been wondering about that. I mean, would that, could that be related to a sense of neutral feeling as a result? I think this passion is is when one recognizes that one one moves towards attachment towards pleasant feeling or avert towards unpleasant feeling that that's like an instant ticket to hell. Right. Okay. And so the dispassion comes not because one is not feeling the pleasant and unpleasant but because one is really clear that the movement towards either of them leads towards suffering. And so this passion is a movement from attachment. It's not a movement from feeling. No, but, you see, but, but I wonder, okay, somebody who goes through the disenchantment and dispassion. Yes. What would be, I mean, I, I'm not sure if there is any way to explain what would be the resultant feeling out of that experience. In, in my case, I use a lot the image that Ajahn Tanisaro likes to use of being disenchanted with food, but then losing passion for the process of eating. And I I wonder, I mean, would that be a result of, well, I don't find the pleasure in eating anymore, but I don't hate eating anymore. So let's say I feel this sense of dispassion. But I mean, I wonder if that would be like a neutral feeling. Not an aversion to it, not a a delight, not an indifference to it. But I wonder if that could be like a neutral feeling. Because even in the, in the suttas, the Buddha really doesn't talk about any certain feeling associated with those two. 
I think when one has really seen the dangers of moving towards attachment and moving away from aversion, then what happens is the dispassion that you're describing. And whether you actually experience it as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, I think is less significant. I think what is more significant is there's less movement. There's less movement towards what's pleasant. There's less movement away from what's unpleasant. And with neutral, there's more ability to be present. And so I don't think, for me, I am not of the kind of scholastic model where I make maps and then try and predict what's going to happen or what it's going to feel like. I'm more with the aware the, of the contemplative model where I'm working with direct experience and, and what arises as a result of it. So I don't try and presuppose what it's going to look like. I just deal with what is. So Eduardo, the, you're the real question. You know, how are you experiencing it? I think you just gave me a direction to my question because I, I never really thought about it, what you are saying. Because, well, I, I, never, I really never thought about what, what you were saying. Well, as you say, it's, it's not about is it this or is that, but it's, there is less movement about it. Yes. And you see, that's the place where the real freedom comes, is, is that we're not trying to get rid of pleasant and unpleasant, okay? We're not right, trying yeah. to get rid of any of that. We're just not moving in response to it. I never thought about it. I mean, I keep looking for any any kind of description for it. Yes. And I think that's probably why. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so one of the telltale signs of a completely realized being is, is that they're not motivated. They're not moving towards pleasant and unpleasant, and they're not spacing out around neutral. You know? Yeah. Well, if I may elaborate a little bit on that. Please. In my case, for example... In my education, I have degrees as a concert pianist, you know, teach music, all of that. And somewhere along my practice, I came to that realization, like, well, I don't hate music. I don't like music. I mean, I cannot say I like it. I don't like it. It's simply I just lost the, the interest in it. Let's say compared to how some of my colleagues see it. But at the same time, it happened to me with the process of performing. I still play because that's what I do and I cannot do it. But I don't see it as something like my life depends out of that anymore. And I kept analyzing that experience. Well, what does it mean? Am I disenchanted with this? Is it supposed to be a pleasant or unpleasant sensation? And, and that's the thing. I didn't find myself leaning towards one or the other one. And I think that was probably my issue. I keep trying to find a, an explanation for that feeling. Well, I think, Eduardo, you don't need an explanation for the feeling. You feel what you exactly. feel. Exactly. Like, and that's... And that is enough. You don't need an explanation for it. And I think any of us who sustain activity for a long period of time will go through large changes in the way that we feel about it. But we still can continue to do it, okay? That's the things that we love. That's true with the things that we're in love with. That's true with the things that we love. It's true with the things that we hate. Our relationship with it shifts and changes over time. And so what's really helpful is, you know, some of the other frameworks that are offered about, you know, is this skillful? And if it's a skillful form of livelihood, then there's not really anything that you need to worry about as to whether or not you need to be concerned about it. And as each of us develops more in the spiritual path and we see that who we take ourselves to be is less identified with what we're doing and more invested in how we are being then we are going to shift and change the way how we feel about it, okay? I mean, it's also true with somebody who is taking the Dhamma seat. You know, a, a young teacher 
often has a lot of investment in wanting to present things in a particular way and, and wanting to appear a particular way and wanting to have a particular effect. And more seasoned teachers understand that there's, it's not that they are irresponsible, but there's less investment in appearance and there's more commitment to presence. Right. And that actually, now what you're saying is exactly what I have been probably being stuck with because probably for a few years I have been stuck in trying to define this, trying to explain it, trying to find, like you were saying, like a map out of all the text. But I, I, just, I never thought about what you said, like enough is enough. Yes. Because, you know, in the end, Eduardo, it's not the map, it's the territory. You know, you have exactly. to actually navigate the territory. And the territory that you need to know is actually very simple. It's not complicated. And when you are moving towards desire, then that's a place where there's going to be suffering. And when you're moving away from aversion, that's a place that's going to be a suffering. And when you're spacing out because it's not very exciting, that that's also a place that's going to be suffering. And that's really as simple as you need. That's as much of a map, really. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff that's needed. It's simple. It's not complicated. It's very simple. Exactly. Yeah. And so it comes back to the practice of what's actually happening in the present moment and how are we relating to it. And then this inquiry gives us an opportunity to explore how we're relating in these different areas in our own life. Good. Wonderful. Let me pause and just check in with others if there's anybody else who'd like to share how this has been going for you this week and where you are or how this conversation has been unfolding with, with Eduardo and Gabrielle and Brian and Rachel. Um, this is Brian. Yes, Brian. I had one more question. It was, it was toward the top of the reading. You had said during the next week, focus study on what happens when we begin to have neutral feeling as our object of meditation, what happens in our experience, what do we most commonly experience uh, a neutral feeling. And the more that I had thought about that and the more that I thought about just being with the breath and counting or counting the breath or being with, in and out with the breath, and particularly for me where I'm not necessarily feeling a, a pleasant or an unpleasant or anything really beyond just staying with the breath. Two questions sort of arose. Is that, a, is that a neutral feeling in and of itself? No. The breath is not a neutral feeling in and of itself. The breath can be absolutely rapturous. You can sit and just be in, in, in seventh heaven with the breath. And in fact, one of the things which is really helpful to learn how to do is how to breathe in a way where you develop the qualities of pleasure arising. You know, sukha and piti are one of the things that can arise with paying attention to the breath. It's tremendously skillful to know how to do that and to understand that the breath can be used in that kind of a way as like an internal kind of rejuvenation and massage. And you are absolutely encouraged to cultivate that. There comes a point when cultivating that where one recognizes that there's a little bit of agitation in that. And then with that, then one drops the pity, the, the, the pleasure, the rapture, and allows it to become just the stillness of equanimity. Because there's an edge in pleasure, which is, which has an edge to it. But before you really understand and see the suffering in that, it's really important to be able to understand how to cultivate it and let it suffuse the whole body. I remember having one of those experiences and discussing it with you, and, and, and I remember you saying something about not trying to chase it, and it wasn't a very pleasant experience, but it was something that I, I did end up finding out that I was chasing. The, the second question I had was that you had 
Uh, with pleasant and unpleasant, there's the question of, and, and I believe it comes up in here later in here, there's the reaction, and there's the paying attention to the reaction, and what happens when you pay attention to the reaction, and there's going back to it, uh, going back to the pleasant or unpleasant and just being with it as pleasant or unpleasant. Yes. And I haven't really heard much about, and, and obviously probably for good reason, paying attention to the neutral and paying attention to the reaction to the neutral. For many people with neutral, it's really hard to stay present with it. And so, you know, Betsy was talking about that when we started the conference call. I don't know if you heard what she was sharing. But, you know, there there was a, you know, a, a bit of a inquiry or expression of how challenging it is even to see neutral feeling. Because we're not, for many people, there's just not much experience with noticing it. And so the reaction to neutral is to space out, is to not pay attention to it. That's one reaction. The other reaction is because neutral is not so easy to watch it arise and easy to watch it end, then there's a tendency for the, uh, for the mind to label it as permanent, even though it is also something that changes. So neutral feeling has two tendencies. One is to space out, to disconnect. And the other is to solidify a sense of things that are permanent. It's to support ignorance. Again, that brings me back to the question of the breath, and particularly people who are new to meditation, where the breath is essentially, it, it is very neutral to them. Then they, they, it's very easy for them to space out and go off into thought. So there's a couple of things about that. The breath is neutral for them, but also people who are new to meditation often have a lot of tension in their body. And anybody who has a lot of tension in their body has a hard time bringing attention to the body because it's unpleasant. And so the body is unpleasant and the breath is neutral and then the tension tends to space out. And so what is needed is to support the body to relax and to support the experience of the pleasant qualities of the breath to allow them to develop and to sustain interest and attention when there are qualities of the breath that aren't particularly pleasant, that are neutral. So then when paying attention to the reaction to neutral, rather than having it dissipate, you want it, the desired outcome is not to have it dissipate, is to be able to pay attention to the neutral. That's you know? right. To show up for it, to stay present exactly. with it, not to space out around it or to disappear or to, you know, to look for something that's more exciting. Okay. Yeah, that just was never made, like, uh, directly clear. And one of the things about neutral, as well as one of the things about equanimity, and one of the reasons why this is such a very important practice is because, you know, if I handed out a piece of and I asked people to sign it, if you wanted to be enlightened and be free from suffering, I can imagine if I asked the question like that, everybody would sign up. But if I ask the question, are you comfortable hanging out with not being able to locate yourself in any way? You know, everybody wants to run a million miles in the other direction because this experience of not locating oneself until you get habituated and comfortable and used to it and familiar with it is deeply unsettling, all right? You can't locate yourself in neutral feeling. There's nothing that's really exciting that you can pin yourself on. This is me. This is who I am. This is what I am, okay? It's much more subtle, you know? And so the reason why equanimity is such an important step in the path of cultivating the whatever, the conditions necessary for developing an awakened mind, is we need to learn to tolerate where we can't locate ourselves. Because that's exactly what's needed as we wake up. Wow. Okay, I want to close with another short meditation, and then I want to do a dedication. 
and we can uh, have a check-in and announcements. So we'll probably be running a few minutes over time, but uh, let's just see how we go, okay? So coming back into awareness of the body, and just for a moment, just feel comfortable to let the whole conversation drop. You don't need to think about it or remember it or no matter how insightful it was or how much things came together for you, just let it drop and come back into experience of bringing attention to the body, bringing experience into the breath and bringing experience into the moment right here and right now. What are you feeling? And letting your body relax. And letting your body do what it needs to do. So if you need to stand up, stand up. If you need to sit down, sit down. If you need to take your telephone and walk around, please do that. So that what you're doing is allowing your body to move in a way where you feel comfortable and relaxed. And you feel balanced and you feel peaceful. And without having any conceptual framework, we just want to meet what is present right now. Just know what's present. And there might be a few things that are present. So stay with what's predominant. And notice, is it pleasant? Or unpleasant? Or is what's predominant neutral? And there doesn't need to be any judgment about what it is that you experience. Just an observing, a receiving, a welcoming, a knowing. And if you notice areas of the body that are particularly tight, and if you notice that there's any sense of wishing that it would be otherwise, you can just bring attention very lovingly to that wish that it was otherwise. Softening around resistance of not wanting or wanting. Coming back into the experience itself of something that's tense. And if you can locate a part of your body that feels really lovely, pleasurable, warm, something that feels something yummy to sink into. Just notice any tendency of movement of mind to want to dive into it to absorb into it, to identify with it, to hold on to it, to make it last. And touching that wanting with awareness, coming back into the present. And now just see if there's a sense of neutral feeling in contact of the light on the eye or the sound in the room or smell in the air. 
Just waking up to neutral. Without any judgment if there hasn't been the ability to notice it. Just waking up to what's there. And noticing how that feels to wake up and be present for what we sometimes may not notice. I'd like to take a few moments to invite anyone who would like to share or just check in and then have a dedication and uh, announcement. Please, whoever is welcome and ready, please feel welcome to speak. Alma, this is Catherine. This has been a very, a very interesting week for me, like it has been for, I think, everyone. I was really struck at how I find myself in the reaction to pleasant and unpleasant feeling. And when contemplating a truly neutral feeling, how uninvested I am in what it's like, how much more allowing I am of it to be the way that it is. And that was really very surprising. Yes. Thank you, Catherine. Um, this is Brian, and I know two weeks ago when we met and you had given out the assignment, I'd said something about the neutral feeling, um, one being the one that I was most interested in, and, and given my past and given my experience throughout the past week, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have this discussion and realize that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> That's wonderful, Brian. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, Alma, this is Betsy. Yes, Betsy. Um, I'm I'm really appreciating the discussion on the disassociation and the dispassion, especially in terms of the neutrality. I think that there's been levels of all of that that have been associated with neutral feelings. Yes. And to to hear the discussions, other people sharing has been really helpful. And I think there will be a little bit more discernment as a result of this and really being able to look at neutral in a different way. Yes, Betsy, I think that's a really important point, and I think there's a lot of work for many of us and many people in many spiritual communities to understand the way in which we have dissociated and have justified it and even turned it into a spiritual practice, you know. And I think what's important is to recognize what we've been doing and to stop doing that, you know, to start waking up to what we've been doing, yeah. Very important point. Thank you. Yeah. And this is Eduardo. Just wanted to say thank you because I have the feeling that you you gave me permission to take a rest, take a little break from trying to label the whole map together. And and it's it's interesting. It's an interesting feeling. Like I can take a rest. I can put it away for a while. Yes. Hopefully for that rest. Yeah. Yes. Lovely. Thank you. Yes, wonderful to hear that, Eduardo. Wonderful. 
Okay, well, there's there's no more closing comments. I just want to, you know, we haven't had a real, I mean, this this whole interactive inquiry and the conference call thing is an evolving process and we're learning. And, you know, one of the things that we haven't been doing is making any dedications. And tonight in particular, I feel very moved to do that. And part of the reason why is because today is the 49-day anniversary since my dad's death. And tomorrow will be his 85th birthday. So he's been on my mind a lot. And so I've been thinking of him all day. And we just had a tree planting for him and took some of his ashes and put it in with this tree. And so that was uh, just happened before the conference call started. So that was lovely. But, you know, these times of inquiry, of times of touching into the Dhamma, is an opportunity to touch into material that potentially is profoundly liberating. And this is priceless. You know, it's priceless to have access to teachings and to have access to community and to have access to conversations that support us becoming so radically free. And so in any way that there is goodness that comes from these conversations, you know, I would like to share that and I would ask that each of us really begin to get a feeling of the enormous benefit that these potential liberating practices have and to share them with all beings. And tonight, because I have my father so close to heart, you know, I'm sharing them with him as well. And so that's my closure on dedication. And then we can move to announcements. Are there any announcements? Um, it's Brian. It's Brian yeah. again? Yes, Brian. One announcement I wanted to make, one of the few times that I've, I definitely was not feeling neutral this week, was going through and actually making a donation to the Awakening Truth site. And actually, I read through the whole rest of the, I, even the guide for lay people on the support section. Yes. But if we can go, go through that and see what things might be needed is, is in terms of supporting you and supporting the continuation of these. Lovely question, Brian. Thank you. Thank you for asking. You know, one of the things that is very much needed is a volunteer coordinator. And we were hoping to have one local. But if we can't find somebody local, then what we need is somebody who's willing to step up to that position. And the support that I have in Colorado Springs has been very thin. And so there's meals and food that is offered from people who are in Indiana and in Toronto and in uh, Washington, D.C., because there is not enough people locally to be offering food uh, regularly. And so knowing that and then people stepping up for that is really good. And the reason why we wanted a volunteer coordinator was so that we could help develop more support base around the immediate uh, place where I'm living. So if anybody is interested or has somebody in mind who they think that might be suitable candidate for that, then let me know. And I will send you the, like the kind of what we're looking for and the, the kind of criteria that would be ideal if, if somebody was wanting to step forward in that kind of capacity. Thank you. The other announcements that I have is, is that there's two more classes on the series. There's the 28th of September and then there's the 13th or the 12th of October. And both of those uh, will be recorded. And I think with Ken Yoke going back into school, the sound editing team also might need some support because I think the, the number of people who are editing the talks and getting them online have been only just a couple. And so it's good for each of these teams to have enough resources that nobody ends up feeling overburdened. So there's another request for maybe another person to help with the sound editing. And then other than that, it's just, 
you know, for me, it just gives me enormous joy to hear people taking a, a question or inquiry like this and taking it to such depth and exploring it and opening up new territory and just seeing how they are in their own relationship with this question, with this inquiry. So I am delighted that you have all joined in this call and glad that this conversation has been so rich. And thank you for your ongoing uh, support and participation. Are there any other announcements? Yes, this is Catherine. And I am the chairperson of the retreat committee. We have the need for people to uh, to help. We're going to be putting on a retreat in the space between Christmas and New Year's and ending on New Year's Day. And there is plenty of opportunity to help. I would be happy to hear from you if that's something that you would like to do. My email is Catherine at AwakeningTruth.org. Thank you, Catherine. Wonderful. Well, good. Maybe that's enough for an evening and we can meet next time. Thank you, Alma. Thank you, yes, everybody. Yes, thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. What a wonderful amount of sharing that everybody did today. It was absolutely wonderful to hear. And this talk has yep. been recorded, so I will put it onto Facebook. Great. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank, great. Thank, thank you. Thank you.